So we'll start off today's sermon with the fact that he is real. And there's a few things that I want to share with you from the Bible that we're going to build on these kind of our big concepts here. And I want to start in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Go ahead and flip all the way to the beginning of your Bible, right past the uh, the title page and kind of the, the copyright information and everything. And there's probably a table of contents and some study guides if you've got a good Bible that show you what all is available for you. But Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is very simple but very, very profound. And I'll read verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is in the English Standard Version. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So that's so powerful. I love to just really dig deep, really chew on that scripture. Because what it shows me is that the Spirit of the Lord was present and God had a plan. If you've got your neighbor with you, you can look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, God had a plan. If you've got two neighbors with you, you can look at your other neighbor and say, Neighbor, why didn't you pick me first? Hmm. <laughs> but we see in the Bible that God had a plan. His Spirit was there. It was hovering even when it looked like nothing else was there. Void and vacant is kind of this poetic uh, translation that we have. But in the original Hebrew language, the words are tohu and bohu, which mean there's nothing. There's It's purposeless, formless, shapeless matter. It's just a mass of nothing. I guess you could call it a whole lot of nothing. So we have a situation where God's spirit is moving and he has a plan. And that's how the Bible works. The Spirit of God moves and then God speaks. When you think about the birth of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Mary and then here comes Jesus, the Word. We see that Jesus didn't do anything unless the Father led him to do. So the Spirit of the Lord is moving, then the Word comes forth. That's just how God works. I love to share this with anybody I get the chance to share it with. The shortest nativity story in the Bible John chapter 1 and verse 1, John chapter 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. And then we see in John chapter 1 and verse 14 that the Word became flesh and lived among us. So I'm making this connection here, okay, in the beginning. Remember, we're talking about today that He is real. He's real. We're talking about a faithful God, and we're looking at how He's real. Well, how do we know He's real? because we can look around and see the evidence of God. I want you to think about the last time that you were around when a storm blew through. Now we here down in Texas just had a hurricane hit the far south Rio Grande Valley, uh, Hurricane Hannah, I believe. And we saw the trees just whipping back and forth, the storm surge that came up on the Texas coast. And I want you to realize this. We never actually see the wind. You think about that. We never actually see the wind. What do we see? Well, what we see is the effects of the wind. We see the trees move and people say, look, there's the wind. Well, that's not the wind. It's the effects of the wind. We see the trees move so we know the wind is blowing. 
So when you look around and you see everything that is going on, I am safe and sound from all that thunder and lightning out there because I'm in a big sturdy brick building and that is evidence of a builder. So when we look at Genesis chapter one and verse one, in the beginning, God created. It's that creative power that came from his breath. The Bible even says that all scripture is God breathed. Theonumos coming from the lungs of God. So we see that there's creative power in a faithful God. See, the Spirit of the Lord was moving and God had a plan. Well, how is this God going to relate to us, humankind? How does he interact with us? Because we don't have the mental capacity and the scope to grasp an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God. How are we going to refer to him? Well, I'm glad you asked. When we see God say his name for the first time, it's in Exodus. And if you know your Bible, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we're going to back up a little bit from our theme scripture. And I want you to look at Exodus 3 and verse 14. So Moses is saying, man, God, you're telling me to do all these things. Who am I supposed to tell these people that you are? And God says in Exodus 3, 14, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am. Well, what does that mean? I am has sent me to you. It's not exactly proper English. Now, it wasn't spoken in English, obviously. But when we look at this, what it means is that God is telling Moses, when you introduce me to the people, don't just tell them what I'm in charge of, or he's the God of this. Like they lived in this place of ancient Egypt where they had all these weird gods who were responsible for this and responsible for that and the god of this and the god of that and the god of Tuesdays and the god of chocolate cake and, and the god of squirrels or whatever ridiculousness that they believed in. But when God introduces himself to the people who forgot who he was, he says, remind them, I am. And that's a present tense. That is a faithful God because there's this implied thing that well, if he is, then he is here. If he is, then he is with us. You know that when Christ came, he is called Emmanuel, God with us. So when God says, I am, it's present tense. Just like when he created and said, let there be. See, when God spoke, the universe came into existence, light leapt into the heavens, and scientists will tell us either whether you're an old earth person or a young earth creationist or you believe dinosaurs or conspiracy theories or Bigfoot, which Bigfoot's real. I know he is. I know he's out there. We can all agree that scientists still tell us the universe is still expanding. Well, why is that? Because it's still being obedient. And why is that? Because I am. See, when God has a plan and he speaks it into motion, it continues forever. We don't say, well, you know, forgiveness was for those ancient Jews. We don't know. We say because Christ is risen, we are forgiven. And that's how God works. He reminds us who he is by what he's done in the past. Because that's how humans kind of understand. So I like to tell people like this. We have a timeline. If you've ever gone to school and you see these timelines like, this is when this war happened, and this is when this war happened, and, and this is when we launched the space shuttle, and, and this is when the internet was founded. And We have these linear things on this kind of plane, this platform called time, but God exists in it, around it, 
I love to tell this story. I heard an old radio preacher tell this story, and it goes like this. This man says, God, how can I understand eternity? And God says, okay, well, here, let me show you a vision. And he looks back into the past, and he sees forever. And he's like, whoa, that's terrifying. I can't even understand it. And then he says, okay, now look in the future. And so he looks in the future, and he sees forever. And he's like, whoa, that's terrifying. I can't even understand it. He says, God, how... How am I supposed to understand this all? And he goes, well, for me, every day is today. See, God doesn't exist in this little box that we're stuffed in called time because we understand that our body, we measure everything by the, the planet going around the sun. And then we're born, we live, and then we pass away on to glory if we've accepted Jesus in our heart. But God doesn't exist in time. He is all-powerful. And when he speaks this creative power, it creates things. And that's what we're talking about today, a faithful God. See, when people came as messengers of God in the Old Testament, we're talking way back in the Old Testament, like the old heads, as we would call them in the rap game. And they say, well, which God are you talking about? Because everybody had their own flavor, had their own special God that they prayed to. But when the Israelites were talking about their God, they liked to talk about their heritage, like to talk about their lineage. You know, we call like the people who founded the United States, we call them founding fathers. There's this real big musical that just came out on Disney Plus and everyone's talking about like, oh, you know, this is such a weird, cool view of, of how the people shaped the country in the beginning. In the beginning, right? The founding fathers created these United States of America. So we call them the founding fathers and we think of that as our heritage as our lineage. Some of you, maybe you can trace your family roots back hundreds of years. Or maybe you bought those little kits where you spit in a bottle and then you mail it off and then they come back and they say, you are so much percentage this and so much percentage that. Almost like, like a cookie recipe, right? Well, 40% Mediterranean and 30% European and just a dash of Italian and all this stuff. But when we are introduced to God in the Old Testament, people who don't know who he is, he is introduced as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now, why is that? Well, because those were very notable people of the time. And when people looked at their lives, they said, wow, look at all this stuff that happened in your life. How in the world did this happen? And they would say, because of my God. My God is the reason my life is like this. So whenever people learned who God was, it was through the people that he used for his glory the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the ancient Israelites were proud to say that. They loved introducing themselves. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm a part of this covenant because everybody knew based on Abraham's life that God was faithful. God was faithful to Abraham. God was faithful to his son. God was faithful to his son. God was faithful to the entire nation based off of one of Jacob's children. Now we know that he changed his name to Israel later on. But he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then through Joseph, he delivered the, the Israelites out of a famine. And then several years down the line, he delivered the nation out of Egypt because he's faithful to a thousand generations. Not just Abraham, not just Isaac, and not just Jacob. Not even the bad people that are in the bloodline of Jesus. If you do your research, you do your homework, there are some crazy people in Jesus's bloodline. There is a prostitute. There's a guy who messed around with his daughter-in-law. There was some crazy stuff happening in the Old Testament, 
And God still was able to redeem that because when the Spirit of the Lord shows up and God has a plan, creative things happen. So we've spent some time establishing that He is real. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Brother Jonathan, that's uh, that's Old Testament. That's a couple thousand years ago. You know, maybe this doesn't quite apply to me. Wait a minute. I have a scripture for you. And I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, if you have your note app handy, I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. And it says this in the English Standard Version. This is God talking to the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Verse 6, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Man, that's so good. And I want to draw some parallels here based on what we read earlier in the Old Testament. We know that God created the heavens and the earth. We know that the universe exists because he said at the dawn of time, let there be and there was. And notice how he brings that imagery back to our remembrance when he's talking to Jeremiah. We know God created the heavens and the earth. We know that we're circling around this sun because he's the one who spun us like a top and put it all into motion. And you may think, man, such a great, big, awesome God. He's got some big problems on his mind. He's got, he's got his hands full. You know, we've got countries going to war. We've got a global pandemic. We've got people with, with cancer. We've got all of these things going on, genocides around the world and the economies of the world. He can't be possibly concerned with me and my problems, or my parents, or my friends, or my issues, or the things that I keep locked inside that I don't want to tell anyone. What does God tell the prophet Jeremiah? Before, I love this phrasing, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I want you to think about what the process of birth looks like. Now, we're not going to get too graphic or too detailed, but in the beginning, you are conceived in darkness. You don't know where you're at. I don't even remember my birthday. You know, they tell me that that's when I came out, but I don't know. They could be lying to me. What if I was actually born on this day? What if I was adopted? Who knows, right? Our memory doesn't go back that far, but God's telling Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. You think about this. We were talking about the universe and the planets and the whole earth and how it was formed and brought together because of the word of God. But then here we have in your face this description of God saying that same care, that same majesty, that same awe-inspiring creative power that I used for the universe and flung the stars light years away. He used that same care those same hands to form you in the womb. You know, we said in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth because the, the earth was vacant and void and in darkness. 
And before you were birthed into the world, you were in darkness. You were void, vacant, a blank slate. Some people might even call it a, a group of cells. Some people even out there call it a fetus. They don't even want to call it a baby because then they don't feel so bad when they get rid of it. But here's the truth. Even all of those 60 million babies in the United States that we have not allowed to live and taken care of through this surgical procedure that people like to call abortion, God had a plan for those babies. He formed them in their mother's womb. And this is the view of the Bible that we take when we say, hey, when it comes to a precious soul that was created by the hand of God, well, in that case, it's not always somebody else's body, somebody else's choice. It's a child. It's a soul. It's a purpose. And that's for some of you this afternoon or this evening, wherever you are when you're watching this. Maybe you feel like, well, yeah, Brother Jonathan, I was born, but I don't have a purpose. I was bounced around from house to house, or this person didn't want me, or this person did this to me, or this person spoke these things over me, and I believe it, and I just think I'm void and vacant and without purpose. But I want you to get this today, that when God spoke to the universe that thousands of years later still expanding out of obedience, the same words, let there be let there be present tense a present god i am who i am you know the bible tells us that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever and so i like to phrase it to this in this way when i talk to people about that the calling to creation is also a calling of salvation and you might ask me well what does that mean well it means that the same spirit that said let there be it's the same spirit that says, come unto me. The Bible tells us that Jesus was present at creation. We believe it. He's real. You can ask any astrophysicist out there, is the universe still expanding? Why, yes, it is. Why is that? Well, uh, you know, in the, the Big Bang, so many billions of years ago, they just try and hide and cover up and put their little patchwork quilt over God creating the universe. And that same God who created the universe, I'm going to give you some homework tonight. If it's available to you, not down here because of the after effects of old Hurricane Hannah, but if you have a view of the night sky, I want you to go outside and look up at the stars because those stars were created because I am who I am created them. The God who said, let there be. He operates in a present tense because he is a present God. He is with us. He sent his son to die for us. And we'll talk a little bit about more about that tomorrow. But I want you to think about this. You go and you look up at those stars and just like Abraham looked up at those stars, you have a promise. For those of you who think, well, you know, I don't uh, I don't have a purpose. I'm, I'm useless. I'm worthless. I'm not good at anything. I'm just here for the ride. Whatever happens, happens, and then we're going to move on. I'm going to give you some encouragement, okay? For those of you who think, well, yeah, God was faithful in the Old Testament to his chosen people, but nobody wants me. Nobody chose me. If God really knew what I had done or what's been done to me, he wouldn't want me. God made you 
And even before he made you, he chose you. I want you to look back at Jeremiah chapter one and verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before this guy was even born, God had a purpose for him. Remember, we said before creation even happened, God had a plan. And I want you to hold on to that today. That is the basis on which we are building this series, that your life has purpose, it has value, it has a mission, because you were created by God. I am who I am. The same one who said, let there be, is the same one who says, come unto me. And we'll have some time a little bit later on in the service. If you don't have that relationship, if this is all foreign to you, and you're like, why don't I even know one? What is this going on? But man, I've always wanted a purpose. I've always wanted someone to love me. I've always wanted to have value and, and purpose and meaning in this life. We're going to tell you how you can do that. But I'm going to give you a heads up on a little theological nugget. And I'm going to pull up the scripture here. And it is in, I believe it was Galatians when I was doing my research. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. Now we said that God introduces himself as I am that I am. He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and he is faithful to this day. Well in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, it very simply says this. And I'm going to read it in the NLT if you want to change the version you're reading in. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You know, one version of the Bible says, I think it's the NIV, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now God, when he speaks, his word continues on and on and on, and it's still reverberating throughout the cosmos. And when he promised Abraham, I am going to, through you, create such a vast, wealthy heritage and lineage that expands through time and space because he knew that he was gonna bring Jesus through that bloodline. Here we have this promise now that just because we're not Jewish in our heritage, just because we can't trace ourselves all the way back to ancient Israel, we don't have to miss out on that promise. We enter into that covenant through Jesus Christ. So maybe you're thinking, well, I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'm a drag on society, and I'm just gonna have people, you know, shuffle me from job to job. Or you think, man, you know, I'm really messed up, Brother Jonathan. If you knew some of the stuff that I did, you wouldn't want to talk to me. You wouldn't want to be around. You would want to social distance with or without a mask. But I want you to think about this. You are here because God created you. And before he even created you in the womb in darkness, that group of cells that grew and was given birth in a hospital somewhere, and somebody said, it's a boy or it's a girl, and then your life began, God already had a purpose for you before you were born. He consecrated you. He appointed you. He knew you. Man, isn't that something? To be fully known and loved by God. What does that relationship look like? Well, as I bring this kind of sermon to a close, I want you to realize that we not only were created by God, 
but he also instituted a method of redeeming us, of salvation. We know that Adam and Eve messed it up as soon as creation happened, right? Any of you ever like, you bought a brand new pair of shoes and then immediately you go out and you accidentally scuff them and you're like, oh no, my brand new shoes, right? We want something that's new and fresh. We want it to be pure and we want it to last forever. But the entropy of the universe, am I right? Everything eventually is going to decay. Your friendships aren't gonna last forever. Your body's eventually gonna break down. You know, we know how the world works, but we have a method of salvation that is presented to us through Jesus Christ because God is faithful. He created the world and then he said, you know what, mankind's gonna mess this up. So because I love them, because I've appointed them and consecrated them, I'm going to plan salvation. And later on in Genesis three, he tells Adam and Eve, hey, I'm going to bring someone through the seed of the woman that's gonna bruise the head of the serpent, that's going to take care of all these entropy, all this disease and sickness and destruction and death that was introduced into the world, Romans 5.12, by one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. But he knew ahead of time and he said, in all of this darkness and all of this void purposeless mass, I am gonna introduce hope. I am who I am. And then when Jesus is presented to the world and the spirit of the Lord hovers over him, lands on him at his baptism, and God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So we can trust in Jesus. We can believe that just like he created the world from nothing, he can take our lives. And maybe we think I'm not worth anything. Or, I have accomplished nothing. Or let me see what kind of skills I have. Uh, nothing. God can take that nothing and he can make it something because he's got a plan for it and he is faithful. And if that's you today, if you kind of fall into that camp where you think, man, I, I've got no redeeming qualities. Or even if you think, man, you know what? I, I've been trusting in my own qualities instead of trusting in God. And man, to know that he loves me and he created me for a purpose, whoever you are and wherever you are, I want to extend that opportunity for salvation to you today. I want you to remember that. Go outside tonight. Look up at the stars. Abraham saw those same stars and God promised him that one of those stars was for you. Because he said, I will make your seed like the stars in the heavens. And if we are in Christ, if we believe in Jesus, if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we have access to that promise. We get in on that deal, but you got to act fast. And if that's you and you want to get on that deal, then you just have to pray in your heart. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. If you need a little help, you can pray a little something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that God created the whole world and when he created everything, he had me in mind. And he sent you to die for me so that I could live with him forever. I confess that you're my Lord and I believe that it's his power that raised you from the dead and it's his power that can make me new. If you prayed that prayer with us today, then we wanna welcome you to the 
seed of Abraham club, right? We call it Christianity. Some people would call it the, the family of God, the kingdom of God, however you want to label it. We are so glad that you are here. And I'm so glad that we're on this journey together of looking at Christ or God. He is faithful. And that's what we're going to talk about next time is Jesus, because I've got some big ideas I'm going to throw up here for you. He's real. He's relevant. And he's reliable. These are the big ideas that we've been talking about. So as we kind of wrap things up here today, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you've got a friend who wants to watch this, then you can share with them. These are going to be archived on our church's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash GNC Victoria. And I'm really excited to see where we're going to go next because we have established in our hearts, you know what? God is real. He is faithful to a thousand generations. I'm going to go ahead and put that theme scripture back up here. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Thank you guys for joining me. And I'm so excited to be able to share, like I said, through technology. I wish I was up there at Eagle Ridge Retreat. And man, it's a beautiful place and I miss it. But we'll be together soon. And I will see you guys next time. God bless you.